This is a Podfire production. Welcome to the 2% Podcast. On this episode, we speak to Australian born and bred race car driver James Davidson about his racing career around the world. Uh, uh, And that episode starts now. This tastes like full cream milk. Let's fucking get into it. And only 2% fat. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 2% Podcast. We've got a special guest on the podcast today, Jez, and for anyone that didn't listen to the first however many we've done now, I'm Liam. And I'm Jeremy. And yeah, so our special guest today is going to be Australian race car driver James Davison. He's raced in IndyCar, NASCAR, Indy Lights Series. He just recently raced um, at the S5000s at the Melbourne Grand Prix. So we're going to give him a call, and he's going to tell us everything there is to know about his career and motorsport that you all don't know. Woo! Hello. Hey. JD, how's it going, mate? Good. How are you? Good. Welcome to the 2% Podcast. <laughs> Very good. Thanks for having me. Lovely to hear your voice. Um, back in Australia, mate? Yes, on the Gold Coast. Loving life. Yeah, can't complain. Getting to travel, drive race cars around the world. Um, yeah, just keeping it all going for the 18th year, believe it or 18. not. 18, wow, getting up there, mate. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am, but <clears throat> made it this made it this far. So Exactly right. So how did you go um, with the two years off with COVID and stuff like that? Any difficulties? Well, I actually was racing more than I ever had. <laughs> oh, really? Doing the e-racing, hey? <clears throat> no, yeah, not just that, but so there was a lot of that, but I was racing NASCAR and I did uh, 30 NASCAR Cup Series races in 18 months. Yeah. And it was an opportunity that came about kind of because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really unique to not only race in the big grand show that the cup series is, but uh, there was no practice or qualifying because of COVID. Yep. They just needed to show up and race and satisfy their TV contract. Yeah. Um, so I was going to all these races having never driven the tracks before, never driven NASCARs on ovals and just going to the top series, jumping in the car and taking the green flag yeah. on, on live television. Um, but I just ran with it and mm-hmm. uh, it was an experience. Yeah, for sure. Achieved some things within uh, the small team situation I was with. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I'll get to NASCAR in just a little bit, but I want to start out with um, you coming back over here. The last Was it two weeks ago you raced in the S5000s? 
Yes. Yep. How did how did that all transpire, and how did you go, and how different was the car um, than yeah. anything previously you've raced? So, I got a call pretty last minute, maybe with only two or three weeks' notice, and the series had a ride for me, and uh, I got some of my own sponsors together as well. So. Yeah, we had some really cool sponsors, Pilatus, which was which is a Swiss aircraft manufacturer. Yep. Um, we had Kelly Beach Club and Luna Group, which yeah, big up here on the Gold Coast. For sure. Portsea Estate Wines. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we had some bougie brands. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, it. It was a bit of a bittersweet experience in regard to results. Mm -hmm. Um, Just simply, we got unlucky. We were second quickest in practice, and then we started to have mechanical issues. So of all times, it occurred in qualifying, and we ended up qualifying at the back of the grid. So we started all three races from the back, um, and these races on F1 weekends are very short. You only get about 20 minutes of track time. So the races were only nine laps. And when you're racing against good drivers, it doesn't, you know, good you are. Everyone's within a percent or so of each other. Mm -hmm. You're just not going to get from the back to the front in nine laps. Yeah, for sure. I I watched one race and you were at like seventh or eighth at one point starting from the back. Yeah, so that was race one. And then with a lap to go, got a cut on the tire and it just delaminated it completely ripped it apart so that was just crazy unlucky again and then in the next race one of my teammates crashed into the back of me and spun us out and we both crashed out of the race so i just couldn't catch a break yeah to be honest but that's the way it goes sometimes that's it racing still cool yeah it was still really cool to drive the cars they're very unique even though they look like an open wheel you know indie or f1 car they're very much like a v8 supercar version of an open wheel car they're heavy they don't have a lot of grip uh they don't have the best of brakes but they're constructed uh like that so they put on a show and they're difficult to drive Mm -hmm. so yeah, they're, they're a blast. They're definitely the kind of car you need to do quite a few miles in to get all the very fine details down. So I was happy with how competitive we were being second in practice. Um, you know, I hadn't driven the cars basically. So, uh, yeah, went as well as it could performance-wise. But, yeah, just there wasn't the mechanical reliability to kind of put us on the right path. Uh, but that's racing, like I said. Yeah, that is that is racing, James. Unfortunate to happen, but um, you did get to spend some time. I know your cousins are pretty well known in Australia. Um, both race supercars, so how was it catching up with them? Yeah, very good. I hadn't seen them in two years, and actually, um, my older cousin Alex was the driving standards observer for s5000 there at the grand prix oh really yeah so that was that was cool to have and i know alex he's 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 a professional and he was never gonna 
you know, favor me or anything yeah, like yeah, that, which sure. I didn't want him to anyhow, but he, he does a very good job of, uh, yeah, officiating and just giving the young, young kids advice. So yeah, I was racing against kids, uh, a fair bit younger than me, which was, uh, <laughs> which was eye opening, yeah. you know, just seeing all the inexperience and the cars are hard to drive on cold tires. They're all getting caught out by that. But yeah. we've all been there. We've all been young and for sure in that position. I think I'm still yeah. young, hopefully. What's that? I think I'm still young, hopefully. Young at heart. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are. You're you're a kid still, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, hey mate, I'm Jeremy Liam's co host. Haven't really said much yet, but <laughs> <laughs> um I wanna know, like, how does it like how do you start with motorsports um what makes you want to get into it well have you always been like do you love the thrill of it or did you start with how do you start motorsports pretty much yeah so being exposed to it as a kid certainly helps so if your dad takes you out to the races or if your father and grandfather were racing drivers like mine were that helps even more so i had both of those elements and my dad ran a racetrack called sandown that the v8 still race at um he ran that track for 20 years so i grew up going to that race seeing the v8s um i was brought to f1 and the indycar race up here on the gold coast uh when i was about 10 years old so yeah i saw yeah, all the thrill, color, and noise, and excitement uh, from a young age. Um, uh, had all the memorabilia on the wall from my father's racing, his helmets and suits and front nose cones off his Formula 5000 cars. <laughs> so, yeah, I just loved it, and I just... I loved it even more than my brother did. He loved it, but I was just fanatical about it. And, uh, yeah, just pressured my dad to get me involved. It's extremely expensive. He didn't really have the funding to do it, but he saw how much I wanted it. I had some talent to, uh, motivate him, uh, to keep going and, uh, yeah, put my heart and soul into it. So yeah, it takes a lot of drive, uh, influence from a young age, um, and funding, funding's the limiting factor. Um, very few drivers go the whole way. Um, even if you make it to an elite level, you know, having more funding again, gets you in better equipment, which then enables you to run at the front consistently or get hired by better teams and yeah, it's extremely tough industry. Um, I'm not so sure that I'd want to get my own kid future child into it because it's, uh, it's tough, but if you can make it work, it's amazing. The travel you get to do, the people you meet, um, you know, you can make some good money out of it. Uh, but certainly, uh, you have your work cut out for you. 
Um, that, that leads us into the next bit. So you started off young. What were your racing early stages and then how did it sort of transpire to the States and, and the Indy Light Series, which I knew you were in with um, Sam Schmidt Motorsports? So how did that sort of pick up? Yeah. Where Who gave you the call and sort of things like that? So I started racing go-karts when I was 10 and I only did it for a year as my dad wanted me to focus on school. Um, but then I raced formula Ford when I was 17, basically he saw that it's very much what I want, wanted to do. And like I said, I had some God given ability that, you know, set me off on a competitive path, um, and motivated him to, to help me. So when I was then 18, I moved over to the States and started racing in the road to Indy junior ladder yep. system up to IndyCar and um, basically did those levels. They're called something else over there, but basically F4, F3, F2, and then to, you know, IndyCar. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, Indy Lights is the F2 level. And, um, yeah, I won races at, in, in all, all the levels and finished second in the F3 and F2 levels. Uh, in the championship um, and uh, yeah then just a lot of perseverance to try and get a ride in IndyCar it cost a lot of money sponsorship you got to bring nowadays uh, it was a big wing and a prayer for it to happen I had to basically wait four years between Indy Lights and IndyCar just be around the paddocks and working for the teams in different ways, spotting on the ovals or coaching some rookie drivers in IndyCar. Um, I'm pretty sure it, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah. What race exactly. was it? Do you remember? I, To be honest, I don't remember. But It was California what I do somewhere. Remember is when we met, you were very young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still is, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, how old are you now? 23. Okay, so, I mean, I was doing Indy Lights 2009 against Gary's team, mm-hmm. um, 08, 09. Yep. Uh, so, who, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, I mean, you were younger, around 10 years old. Young pup, eh? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember you were just a tiny little boy when I first met you. I thought you were the bee's knees of it all. When I met you, I was like, oh, my God, James Davison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember those days when when you're a kid and you see the drivers in the suits and they're doing what you'd love to do when you're older and all of that. I remember that. That's how I looked at my cousin, Will, when he was in Formula Ford, which is just, you know, the first level of yeah. teenage kids racing cars. But I saw him as you know, the grown-up professional doing what I wanted to do, even though it was Formula 4. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know I, I remember those days myself. No, that's good. Um, you did get to IndyCar, though, um, and you did do a few Indy 500s, with, uh, which I remember watching. Um, take us through, you know, they weren't the best, some of the best results, but you were, I remember one year you were, you started almost near the back and you were leading laps yep. at one stage and then i think someone took you out on the seven, 17 laps to go or something like that yeah exactly yeah so i got 
an opportunity to drive a fast car and that's what it's all about at this elite level of racing it's who's who gets the opportunity to drive for the the top teams yeah. and and the fast cars who are you driving with then was it dale coin yeah it was dale coin yeah. and you know they're the underdog team but mm-hmm. they got an engineer from andretti's team and uh he brought all the knowledge over and the cars the car was just so fast uh like you kind of inferred yeah i started dead last and i led the race and i didn't drive any bit different than i had any other year the car was just quick and you 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 realize then wow this is just so much about equipment when you get to this level because all the drivers are good but if someone has a a, a very quick car you're just made to look so much better than everyone else and Mm -hmm. so fortunately i had my time in in the sun that day and it was a big day in my career i led the Indy 500 and it was the year that Fernando Alonso and McLaren ditched the Monaco Grand Prix to come do the Indy 500. That's right. So there was a lot, a lot of people watching and my car had an onboard camera. It was, yeah, uh, went down trying uh, to win it, get on a late race restart. A bunch of us went for it and tangled and that's just kind of the way it goes. We're all mm-hmm. going going hard or going home exactly um no regrets i i knew it was on the balance of probabilities the only time i was going to get a car to with a chance to win the indy 500 Mm -hmm. and as it's played out five years later that stayed true i haven't remotely had that chance again so yeah I'll, i'll i'll go to my grave with no regrets on that to just i could have won it or you know ended up in an incident so um i i know that i wouldn't have won it not going for it so out of that day i got uh, a, a very loyal sponsor for four years which helped me do another three indy 500s yeah 2018 19 and 20 and they were up and down um when you do it as a one-off entry not as a full season team you've just got your work cut out for you against the full season teams with the big budgets and everything. But we did uh, qualify in the middle of the field and run in the top 10 and finish 12th out of the 33 cars in 2019. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was good. Um, You know, everyone in the field's doing their best with what their situation is. And sometimes you'll finish 17th and you're stoked with the result because you had a, 27th place car yeah. and everyone knows they maximize what they had so yeah it's been it's been solid could have been better but probably could have been better for everyone too for sure yeah so um how do you train yourself and prepare yourself for like different motorsports races like in mid like nascar and indycar like the, how do you train for different yeah. races pretty much so having a lot of experience driving many different types of cars prior helps where I can kind of plug and play my, my hard drive each time I get into a car and uh, I've just been doing it for so long. Um, I know that, okay, if a car weighs this much and it doesn't stop this well, and it doesn't have such good traction or the balance, you can't, really break and turn the car without it, you know, getting out of shape. Yeah. I've 
yeah, I've just got so much experience now to, to know quickly, know, okay, I've got to do this and just make little adjustments each lap and quickly get on the right track that I need to be. Um, aside from that pre preparation, I racing's really good because it just simulates um, basically the most realistic way that it, that exists that I know exists. Um, the real thing, even though it's uh, only a simulation, it's very good. So I have a simulator at home. Um, yeah, in, invested into a really good simulator that helps. helps I, might, I might add, you're pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is my profession. Yeah, I know. But other people that tried it as well. I was watching the eSports series the other, was it last year or the, I know you won it. Yeah, the the NASCAR iRacing yeah. series with all the real drivers and all five races were on Fox Sports. So basically, it was a unique opportunity where you didn't have to have millions or be lucky one in a thousand yeah. to be in good have the opportunity to go out and race in the first place because it was all virtual talk to me about i know you say it's pretty much the same sort of preparation eye racing and stuff like that but at the gym um because i know it works on your neck a lot racing cars and stuff like that is there any different exercises you have to do or um you know, I yeah, yeah. So upper body and core is most important. Mm-hmm. Um, neck, really, only if you're racing <clears throat> F1, F2. Um, yeah, I guess indie lights, but I never needed to train my neck. Yep, I didn't feel. People's bodies are different. Yeah. I never felt my neck get tired. It okay. was always my upper body, my forearms. I'm not built that big, so I had to put more effort mm-hmm. in than maybe the average guy into just strength. Yep. But then, yeah, some people would say, oh, you know, this part of my body gets tired and my neck, and it didn't bother me at all. So it's just everyone's really different uh, it, it depends but yes in general your core and upper body are yep. where you need to be fit for open wheel racing and then nascar and v8 supercar racing a lot of it is uh cardio okay. really mm-hmm. you got power steering but it's super hot and just enduring in those in those cars for how long some of the races are that go for hours and yep. hours. Yeah. Um, so how much does it take it out of you in terms of like the Indy 500 um, at the end of the race? How buggered are you? Um, how much, you know, does it actually take it out of you? Because I know people, some people might look and they're like, oh, they're racing. You know, they're not actually doing physical. Well, it is physical, but you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Indy 500 is uh can be surprisingly physical um so firstly we're going through the corners at like 350 plus k so and there's no power steering and the cars are 
heavily gripped with downforce. So the steering locks up and it gets heavy. And so basically we're going 200 laps uh, and there's four corners. <clears throat> so there's 800 turns. And um, you do that long enough <laughs> and <laughs> without a safety car. Right? My rookie year, uh, the race went green for the first 150 laps, which was the longest in history yep. since they had safety cars. Yep. So, yeah, I noticed when I got to about lap 125, um, physically I felt fine, but mentally just the, the constant concentration and G-forces on me considering also I wasn't a full season driver. So I'm not as acclimatized and got the amount of race fitness as they call it mm -hmm. as the full season guys. Uh, I just started to notice myself getting a little mentally fatigued mm -hmm. and kind of got close to the wall and I'm like, Oh damn, I, you know, I, I kind of got close to the wall there and I can tell that it was because I'm getting a little mentally fatigued. I need to concentrate here. Yep. Um, and I remember the night before that race, I slept very well, which I generally don't, but I got nine hours sleep. Um, and it's, uh, I was very tired that night, even though I, yeah, slept well. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just mentally draining that race. I've done the race also where it wasn't physical because there was a lot of safety cars. Um, and then I've done the race where it was really physical because the car was so loose. And so when you're holding on to the car and you, you tense to try and feel every bit of movement in the car. So you don't spin it and hit the wall at, you know, 350 K yeah. and you're constantly on that knife edge for hours yeah, you can imagine it's more physical and stressful. So it, it kind of depends, to be honest, on what the balance of your car is, how many safety cars there are. Um, yeah, it, it can vary. I've, I've, I've had easy ones, mentally draining ones, physical ones, stressful ones. Yeah, I've had all of it. So yep. it varies. I have. It's a pretty stupid question. I think uh, Rob was saying it the other day, but my question is like, do you ever get dizzy in like NASCAR? Um, like just cause you're going around. Just in like circles. just cause you're going in circles. <laughs> do you get dizzy? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me think. No, no. Indy 500. So I remember getting out of the car the first year I did it. Stand stepping out and I was dizzy. Yeah, because just constantly for three, four hours, you've had all the blood in your body go over to the right side. And yeah, I remember just being a little dizzy and having to, having the mechanics hold on to me because they could tell I was fine, but I was dizzy. So uh, yeah, that has happened. Yeah, Not right. often, but it's happened. <laughs> um. The, the impact of crashes at that, at that speed, um, ha, like obviously there's safety measures in the car, but there's, it's also 350 Ks an hour. And obviously I've seen some pretty bad ones in my time, you know, 
how do you like obviously each each in, um, incident's different but like how do you brace like what's like how do you how do you feel after a, a massive impact like that obviously sore and stuff and you the injuries are different with each incident but like how do you sort of brace and um, i know you take the hands off the wheel and stuff like that but um when you know you're going in for impact yeah how do you sort of prepare you can't really prepare but how do you sort of prepare for that <laughs> yeah i mean you're a passenger and yeah you take your hands off the wheel when you know yeah you you've just got you're past the point of no return yeah um and especially in indie cars where they don't have power steering, it's dangerous to hold onto the wheel. Yeah. You break your wrists and so on. So yeah, when you're <clears throat> when you when you know you're gone, you'll take your hands off the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of instinct and you've watched it as a kid. Uh the onboard cameras when the drivers crash and yeah, you just kind of do the same as what you've grown up watching yep. and, and, and survival mode, you know, no one wants to get hurt. Mm-hmm. We'll always brace ourselves for some kind of impact or hip and shoulder that we know that's coming. So, uh, it's just natural to yep. be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, we'll, we'll finish it off on your latest NASCAR, um, uh, year anyway. So, you got to NASCAR. Um, you're racing. You did one or what was it? A few races in the Xfinity series, which is the one below NASCAR. And then you got the ride for pretty much the whole year in NASCAR. Yeah. So uh, I did a couple of road courses, mm-hmm. and uh, that helped me get a start. Yeah. Um, I only yeah did the road courses. I never, I had interest in the ovals, yep. but it's it's a funding puzzle to try and get the opportunity. And so, yeah, an opportunity came up with basically the rock bottom team in the Cup Series, the most underfunded team. Mm-hmm. I was never going to look good. No one has ever finished better than... <laughs> 22nd in those cars or 23rd mm-hmm. but um it was an, it was a way to get a start and yep. i could do a lot of races and so i did it i gave it a go and got the team's best results on road courses and short tracks and um it's just kind of like class racing even though we're on the same grid our cars don't belong inside the top 30 yeah so if we ever finish in the top 30 or top 25, it's a really good day because mm-hmm. we've got a knife at a gunfight. Yeah, for sure. Got a tenth of the budget. I mean, we're, we're talking a $4 million budget against the top team spending 40. Yeah. So that's everything. Personnel, engines, brakes, suspension, aero bits, bodies, chassis. Yeah, pit, pit crew. So... Uh, yeah, it was a way to get a start. So uh, I enjoyed it. But then after a while, it just started to become a little counterproductive where I'd gotten past the phase of 
getting a start in it, um, getting some results. But then when you run around in the junk equipment for too long, it, you know, it just starts hurting your brand a bit um, when it's breaking down and you're getting in the way of the leaders. Cause I mean, we're getting lapped so yeah. many times. M- most, uh, probably most drivers wouldn't have done it because they just wouldn't have wanted to look bad. But I just thought, look, I haven't got anything to lose. I got some respect for it. Um, I got a start. Um, and, you know, we'll see what further opportunities may eventuate, but it's very much a funding puzzle that, yeah, you've, you've either got to have the millions of dollars of sponsorship behind you or you don't. Um, yeah. So, regardless, I would never have dreamed that I'd have made it this far racing all this stuff, IndyCar and NASCAR. So, um, yeah, did, gotten further than I, than I could have hoped for as, as a kid with, with a dream. So, we just have a couple of fan questions just to wrap it up. Um, question from Omar from Canada is, like, your favourite track to race at? Um, yeah, there's a number of them. <clears throat> so Bathurst is obviously special. Um, I like street courses. So long beaches, a lot of fun. Um, a couple of the natural road courses in America, like road America and road Atlanta are, are really cool. Um, I'm actually racing in Monaco next month. Uh, which I never thought I would ever do that. That's going to be cool. That'll be unreal. Oh, yeah. What are you doing there? Driving a historic F1 car. So two weeks before the actual Grand Prix, they have the historic Grand Prix with the cars from all the different eras, like pre-war and post-war up to early 80s. And so there's about seven or eight different races pretty much every five-year period. So... I'm in the mid-70s race, driving a mid-70s F1 car. That'd be all right. Yeah. So those cars were super, you know, sexy and dangerous. And the, the same cars that are on the movie Rush with, with uh, yeah, Nicky Lauder and James Hunt with Chris Hemsworth as one of the actors, That those same cars um, from the mid-70s. So... Uh, I've raced them a bit, actually. Um, it's not super serious racing, but there is a series worldwide um, with the owners that race them and some of the owners get some young ringers in to drive the cars and get some good results or help sell their car if you know a young guy can jump in and showcase its abilities. Yep. So, yeah, I've gotten a number of opportunities in the last five or so years racing um, at Grand Prix at F1 races as support races to the, you know, main act um, in Austin, Mexico city, uh, the British Grand Prix in 2019. And, and now this at Monaco. So yeah, it's going to be, Exciting. it's going to be, it's going to be fun. For sure. Sounds like a good time. Um, next question from Ziggy from media eight. Uh, just, your favorite place to visit around the world? Uh, you can, you can say clubbing with Liam. <laughs> That'd be my least favorite. 
so yeah i mean i i've i love life in america and i wouldn't change it for anything but since that's where i live i'm not really visiting there um so i i'm a fan of europe i you know i like the culture and cuisines and style and diversity there um it's pretty special to go to europe in in the summer if you've ever been it's it's life-changing so yeah going there and racing as well is is even better so um yeah i would say overall it's europe i love going to mexico as well there's no better uh, country of people to party with yeah amazing how good they are at partying you're a party you party with a few big names <laughs> yeah well, like i said if you if you can make the whole racing dream work it's pretty cool the travel you get to do and the people you get to meet and yeah it's just one of the the, the fruits of it all so <clears throat> yeah definitely had some good good fun and and uh many good memories to look look back on but i'm not done yet i gotta <laughs> i gotta keep uh uh for living out my life and getting riding this wave as long as i can oh, but for sure i'm obviously closer to the end than the beginning but um well yeah, before you get to I the can... end give me yep. an invite and i'll come with you <laughs> for yeah. <the> end. <laughs> yeah well we've got to catch up here on the goal yeah, we do. before i leave for sure we will. Perfect. All right. I appreciate it, James. Um, thanks for coming on. Um, love your work and keep racing. And I'll I'll turn on the TV and watch the um, History F1 races. Always watch your races too. I speak to Dad about it. I was like, oh, James was racing here. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I appreciate it. No worries at all, man. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast. So thank you. And um, I'll catch up with you before you leave. Thank you. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks.